Hello and welcome to the Happy Pair Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Steve and we are honoured to have you here today. Today we have an incredible, inspiring story and just incredible evolution of a human. Yeah, it really is. Uh, we're talking to Adam Guthrie, not Guthrie. Uh, wonderful man uh, based out of Byron Bay in Australia. He's 53 and has such an inspiring story of transformation and talking more about what we can do with our life rather than what we can get in our life. Beautiful story. He talks to his own story. Very inspiring in terms of where he's, how he's prioritised and what's important to him now. There's loads the, of nuggets in here. The conversation intersect four of my favourite topics. Uh, philosophy, spirituality, plant-based food, exercise and kind of meaning and significance in life. Like I thought it really yeah. dissected so many pillars that I adore. Really, really is. And yeah, if anyone's looking to make changes, we've got our Good Health Revolution course. November for us is all about good health and Adam is all about plant-based, exact same as us. If you're interested in joining, our Good Health Revolution has started. We're midway through it. You can still sign up. We would love to have you How part do people of sign up? You'll find it on our website, thehappypair.ie. Good Health Revolution course goes on for four weeks to heal your good health. Your gut is where most of your immune system cells are. It's so central to every aspect of health. And is there any medical practitioner doing it or is it just us two? No, Dr. Alan Desmond, consultant gastroenterologist and uh, dietitian Rosie Martin and ourselves, we do the recipes. So yeah, full details on our website about that. If you're looking for inspiration, we've got a newsletter. We send it out weekly. There's recipes, there's podcasts, there's inspiration and there's lots of cooking tips. So you'll sign up for that on the Happy Pair.ie also. This week's sponsor is Instant Brand and they're offering up to 30% off their four new appliances. The four appliances are the Vortex VersaZone air fryer with the new clear cook window. There's the Vortex Plus air fryer oven. There's an Instant Pot superior slow cooker and there's the Instant Rice Cooker and Steamer. So to avail of this offer of up to 30% off, click the link down below in our show notes. My favourite is the Instant Pot superior slow cooker. It really, really is. You put it on in the morning, you can sauté your veg and then actually put in, put turn it into slow cook all in the same pot. Like as an adult, you miss coming home to warm cooked dinner that's cooked to you by your parents. But with this Instant Pot Superior Slow Cooker, literally you put it on in the morning, you come home and you've got a home cooked dinner that's ready for you to eat and it's warm and there's only one pot to clean after. So it really, really is practical, easy. This offer is available for one week only up until November 23rd. Click the link below to avail now. Uh, like I'd love to like like and I've had great fun. I, I'd lovely chatting to you the morning. Like it really was. It was wonderful. And I'd love to start with like you've got a really incredible journey of transformation. And I'd love to kind of start with that. Like I really, really would. I'd love to because it's such a beautiful story. Because like, you were really, back even like I, I remember hearing that you were a bit. Your party is Irish, and you got the kind of when you drink alcohol, the L brawler. You were a bit of a good fighter yeah, back in the day. Rumor had it prize fighter uh, in the local <laughs> pub. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I yeah. Well, you guys know. What, what it's like having that Irish genes and my mother's Irish and and my grandfather, um, he was Irish and he had that gene where it goes either way, right? You either have a good laugh or you either want to punch someone. <laughs> and unfortunately I had one of those genes where I would want to punch people when I drank and I'd be in fight when I was a kid. You know, I started drinking alcohol when I was pretty young. In high school, first year of high school, we started drinking on the weekends and I just remember then every weekend I'd end up in these fights, right? And that went on until the age of 21. I would binge drink every single weekend and get myself into a lot of trouble. But then on my 21st birthday, there was a big party. It was at my parents' property and it ended up in an all-in brawl. Wow, <laughs> a big brawl, like loads super, of like something yeah, in the movie. It was like that. It was, and to, the, to this day, I'm still embarrassed about it. Like, um, 
it was really embarrassing for my parents and, you know, and I, after that day, I, I went into, I got quite depressed and I started drinking every day for about three months. And I was sitting in a, um, in a pub one night by myself with a, um, you guys call them pints, but we call them schooners. A schooner, schooner such a great word. A schooner. schooner. <laughs> Sounds like a spoon, yeah. like a fancy spoon. That's what I think of. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a boat. I was sitting there drinking this beer and all by myself in a corner, the pub's packed. Um, I just was paranoid. Like everyone's like looking at me. Everyone's talking about me. And I was freaking out. And I thought to myself, I had this, um, had this thought come over me, like I don't want to be here anymore. And I left the pub. And I drove home and I thought to myself, if I don't make it alive tomorrow, um, you know, that's how I was feeling. And But if I do wake up tomorrow and I'm still here, I need to change. And I woke up, <laughs> still here. So I went and a book came into my mind called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And I grabbed that book and I took a month off work and did all the exercises in the book and um, became vegetarian, got a naturopath to work with me, you know, on the diet. And and, 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 and this this is 30 years ago. Like this isn't just like, years ago, this, isn't, this isn't like two weeks ago, like this 30 years ago. And this ain't looking this up on the years. internet. This is like going down to the library to get the book and waiting for the library to yeah. get in that book. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I got the book and I did all the exercises and changed my life really. And, and then I moved on into, you know, this, I lost, you know, I was carrying a bit of weight because I was a chef and ate a lot and didn't eat well. And, and then I ended up into, uh, had a business that turned into quite a big business and, and it just all consuming. It took over my life and it went on for, you know, from a, from the age of about 20, 24 through to 39 when I had the heart attack. And in that time, I would just eat and be on the road all the time and I'd be eating pizzas and ice cream and chocolate and crisps and chips and just junk food, but plenty of veggies because I was vegetarian, right? And then one day I ended up in the hospital and the doctors come up to me and say, Adam, you've had a heart attack. I was obese. And, and, and you had that, you were out, so I remember hearing the story, you were out surfing, you were kind of surfing through four big waves and it was, you felt a twinge and you thought that yeah. it wasn't even, you, you thought it was just, you pulled a, a, a whatever you call that, a, a muscle rib, or a something. Rib or a muscle or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what happened. I'll tell you the surf story in a sec, but I'll tell you, there's one thing that after the doctors told me I had a heart attack, the nurse came to me and she said, Adam, you're one of the lucky ones because 40% of people survive heart attacks, 60% of people, you're out of here. You ain't coming back. And she said, you've got a second chance. So, um, and that hit me. That's what really dawned on me. And I thought, well, I am lucky. I've got a second chance. I'm only 39 years of age. wonder what my life could be like if I um, treated it as I really do have a second chance, like I really am here because life is so fickle. Like we really don't know when it's going to be taken from us. None of us do. and. I, I had that experience that I, I experienced that that is the case. So it made me change everything. And, you know, then I went and got the plant-based diet and I ate it, lost 35 kilos, gained all this energy and ended up going and doing an Ironman triathlon. I went from heart attack to an Ironman. 
And see, see, that's that story is amazing. That like, cause you're you're flying to things. Because I know, I know, like going from MI is now what you call it, where you have a heart attack. Yeah. Myocardial infarction. Myocardial, Myocardial infarction, and then IM for Iron Man. MI to IM, and that story is amazing. Like that, that, that it, I'd love you to expand on that because you don't just go know. from you don't go from 110 kilos to doing an Iron Man at, just straight after having. A, that's not most people's general journey. Like, no, it's not. So yeah, what happened was how it all how the heart attack happened. I was you know I was obese, but one of my mates rang me and he said, "Adam, the surf's going off." I'll meet you down at the car park on the point in 15 minutes. I went, okay. Went down to the point and it's massive, like it's eight to 10 foot swell. And I used to like big swell, but because I was obese, I wasn't too keen to go out. And I was thinking, hope he doesn't ask me to go out. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he turns to me and says, let's do it. I went, oh. Anyway, so we suited up on a wetsuit. So we dived, jumped off the point and paddled out to this peak. I caught the first wave. It was big. It was double overhead and surfed. It was a beautiful wave, pulled off the wave, and then on the horizon was this big set building. And I could just see this swell building. I'm going, oh, my God, if I don't get over these waves, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble, right? And because I'm obese, I'm on a longboard, I'm going to get held down, I might not come back up. Anyway, so I started to paddle like crazy. And I'm paddling, 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 paddling. I just got over the first one and then paddle, 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 got over the second one, paddle, 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 paddle. And I just made it over the third and then there's a fourth. And it's like a mountain. If you look up, I don't know how high your ceiling is, but look up at your ceiling and probably double it. And I was like, oh, God. And so I'm paddling up this mountain of a wave. And just as I near the top, it starts to cool. And I went, this is it. Like, I'm going to, you know, go over the falls here. I'm going to be held down. I'm probably not going to come up. And then I got this adrenaline and I just like paddled and did these massive big strokes. And I just got to the other side of the wave and bang, I got this pain right across my chest, down into my shoulder blade, down my left arm. And like I said, I, I thought it was, I just pulled a muscle because I was paddling so hard. And um, it didn't go away. So I went in and I went home, had a shower, and then I went to sit down to do some paperwork and it happened. I got this crushing pain right across the chest. I got this nausea and my head spinning, lightheaded, and it just, just, you know, like I, I've never felt so sick ever. And it was pretty freaky. And I rang my wife and I said, look, something's really wrong. I don't know what it is. And she said, get yourself to the hospital. So I got my mother-in-law to drive me half an hour to the hospital. <laughs> and if you ever have those symptoms, don't drive to the hospital because you might not make it, right? You just ring triple zero because you're probably having a heart attack. But I anyway, I got to the hospital and they rushed me and hooked me up all the gadgets and they said, Came back, the doctors came back a little while later and said, Adam, you've had a heart attack. And then the nurse said to me, you know, Adam, you're, you're actually really lucky because not many people make it their first, like, heart attack. So, you know, and it changed my life. Jeez. So it is It is like having a near-death experience. Like, it really is. Because exactly what you said, like, to have that opportunity to start again and reflect and go, oh, my God, am I, am I, li am, am I living my life with what's important? Because... You know, most people live our, we live our lives just out of 
it just happens, you know, where we're prioritizing money or fame or these type of things. And then when we get to the end, we might go, geez, I've like, I've, I've prioritized my life for the wrong things, like quite often, you know. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's what went through my mind. I mean, how did I live my, how have I been living my life, you know, and how did I end up here at such a young age? And, and yeah, I was chasing, I was chasing, um, financial success, you know, just one of those things. I grew up poor. You chase it. I made it. And then you, and then what actually happened was I remember before the heart attack, I'd already achieved what I wanted to achieve, that vision that you have. And then I got to that point, I'm going, is this all there is? Like, is this what it was? I thought it would be different, right? And it you got to be the band, the marching wasn't. band had come out in the river, and you, you made, made it, Adam. and your dad had come out oh, and gone, Son, I was wrong. You were, you're such a champion. Your mom comes out and goes, Oh, I'm so proud of you, son. Yeah, all those things you're expecting, right? But that didn't happen. So, um, it threw me for a bit, and and so I decided, look, how, how do I want to live my life? So I sold my business and we ended up going and living in Bali. And big we took our kids to the green school. She went wild. Sorry? Just, wait, wait, big wait, move. I mean, no, but I just wanted it's a big, big move. move. Just decided, right, let's just shift it all up. Let's get out of, out of Dodge. Yeah, totally. And the first thing I did, though, after the heart attack, I, I Googled like how to reverse heart disease with food because what happened was I – you know, you come out of hospital with five medications and people think that I'm not for medications, but I actually am because they'll save your life in those moments of time. If I didn't take those meds, I haven't had to have meds now for 11 years. This is how powerful plant-based diet is, which you guys know about, right? You guys yeah, teach it in your courses. I teach it in my courses. It's like, it's so powerful. You see it with everybody that applies it, their health improves and their blood numbers improve and their doctors start adjusting medications. It's incredible. So that happened to me, and I and I came across, um, you know, Corval Esselstyn and all those guys, right? All those plant-based doctors, fifteen years ago or whatever it was, thirteen years ago. And I thought, look, I'm a chef. I'm a vegetarian already. I eat bucket loads of dairy. Maybe if I just ditch that dairy, ease up on the oil, let go of the oil, and start making food, wonder what will happen. So I did. So I took the meds. I started to change the diet. And then a month later, you've got to go back and see the cardiologist. So I go back and see him and I walk in and he goes, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm not feeling too good, actually. He said, why? What's going on? I said, look, I've lost my mojo. And I feel flat. It's like, and for me, I'm like, I'm a pretty enthusiastic guy. And for me to feel like I can't get that energy, it was like, like almost like death. And he said, Adam, it's a side effect of the meds. And I said, okay, cool, let's wean me off them. Let's get me off them. I've got to tell you, you're going to be on them for the rest of your life. Wow. And I went, whoa. And, I, and he said, I'll tell you what, go another month, and if you don't feel any better, I'll give you another med that will give you a lift. How's that sound? <laughs> and, that's, and that's when I left. He and I banded for a bit, and I just left, and that's when I went looking for a different answer, and I found the plant-based diet. So I applied that. I lost, you know, ended up losing 35 kilos and I started walking. Now, when you have a heart attack, you, the biggest fear for me and I've, everybody else has had heart attacks that I've spoken to is you feel super vulnerable, like it, it's going to happen again. And I was scared to walk, right? I was scared to actually go for the walk up the road, but, you know, the, the rehab encouraged it, so I did it. So I just started walking and then got my strength back and 
and then it turned into a jog, and then I got a push bike, and then um, and then all of a sudden I'm running, running five k's, and you know, wow, this feels good. And then I met a guy. I actually, when I got the bike, I started riding with the local bike bike club, you know, on a Saturday morning, and we'd have coffee afterwards. And I was sitting next to a guy, and he said, Adam, a few of us are doing an Ironman triathlon. Um, we're going for a swim on Monday morning. You want to join us for a swim? I went, yeah, I'll come for a swim. That was my sport when I was a kid. Anyway, I went down there and and he drove me and we're driving back after the swim and I started telling him about the heart attack. This is a few years later, right, how I got off meds and I lost all this weight. I feel it was fantastic. He said, what, you got off meds? I said, yeah. He said, that's not possible. And I said, well, I'm off and I, all my blood numbers are good and I don't have to take them. And he said, and then it started ticking in my mind. <laughs> I'm going, why is he asking me this? And then I thought, I said to him, are you a doctor? And he goes, yeah, I'm a GP. And yeah, that can't happen. <laughs> I said, well, it's happened. And then I went dead quiet. You know those moments? Ooh, and it's tense. <laughs> and you can feel like a polite fight <laughs> yeah. happening without words. Yeah, totally. That's the one. So I'm like, anyway, then he turns to me and says, Adam, I've just had this idea. It'd be super cool to take you from a heart attack, MI, um, MI to IM, Iron Man. Yeah, that's the way it goes. And I went to heart attack to Iron Man. I went, oh, I don't think so. Like, I thought that was impossible, right? Totally impossible because I used to see people do those endurance events when I was young. I'm going, that's superhuman. Like, I could never and, and do that. And at what stage was your heart? Like, how did you feel about your heart? Like, even after the swimming and doing the 5Ks, did you suddenly feel like the vulnerability had left you and you felt like, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in good health again? Well, fantastic. And like, I just, energy was back. My confidence was back. You know, I'd, I'd get yearly checkups, my blood, my cholesterol. I don't know how you guys measure it in same, same Ireland, as you. but in same as us. Yeah. So, um, my cholesterol when I had the heart attack was around 5.8 total cholesterol. So it wasn't even really, really it, high. Cause like, you know, we, we did our happy hard course for years and you'd regularly get people with eights and sevens. And I think one time we had someone with like a nine one. So it's like, but, but I, I remember hearing, and I don't know what the research is nowadays, but back around half of all heart attacks were happening around five. So it wasn't even within the, within the kind of quote unquote healthy range. Yeah, in that healthy range. It's interesting we talk about that healthy range because I asked the doctor that trained me for the Ironman. And um, I said, what's this go? Because these, this range changes just about every year. I said, Adam, that's not the healthy range. That's the average of everybody that's had um, blood tests with the cholesterol. And as people get higher cholesterol, that thing changes. <laughs> so yeah. it's not – and a lot of people have a heart attack in that range. Anyway, so I, my, I got the – through diet, I was able to get the – um, my cholesterol down to 3.4. Wow, that's your total cholesterol. 3.4, 3.6. So it's under 3.9, which is what Esselton talks about. He wants it under that, heart attack proof, right? Yeah, yeah. But the LDL was able to get that down to where it needed to be. The APOB test, I get that done now, and that's at a good, you know, down, I think it's um, 70 or 80, my APOB, which is fantastic. So, like, it's insane what can happen if you commit to it. But, but if you, if you play around with it, you go eat some vegan junk food and stuff, which I've done. It will push the blood. It will push your cholesterol back up like that. And then I go off it for three months. Go get blood tests again, and it's back down. It's that. It's that sensitive um, wow. to it. Yeah. So and you're I don't someone. Play you're with someone. It. Yeah. I imagine now, like, giving you give your second chance, you don't mess around with it. Like that's it. This is. I don't mess with it. It's just keep it there. You know. So. 
um, yeah, so it, it, it's a powerful way to do it. And this guy, the doctor, he said, you know, I'll take you to a heart attack to Ironman. I've done eight Ironman. Wow. And um, I'll, I'll train you to do it. And it took us two years. I mean, you were frightened. Um, probably. When, how were you when he suggested that? Were you quite frightened, quite afraid? It was like, this is a big step. Come on, I don't, you know. Yeah, I said, it's for you guys. That's not for me. And he said, that's when he said to me, look, I've done eight. I'm a GP. I can monitor you. I can look after you. If you really want to do it, um, I'll, I'll teach you to do it. I'll train how you to do it. How to have a doctor as your and, coach. I know. And I went, you know, that's when the pity dropped. I'm like, I'm not going to get an opportunity like this again. I'm in. So we did. We trained and trained. Every morning he'd come to my house. You know, I, I don't know if you guys, you guys probably never been obese, but obese a lot, the obese mindsets are very different mindset. Like, and I, I have, I've had obesity and we're quite lazy, right? I'm not that lazy anymore, but when I was obese, like you didn't want to exercise much. You didn't want to do any of this stuff. And I, like, I was a, a couch potato or well, I wasn't really, I was in the car a lot and at a desk. But anyway, he trained me. And then the first Ironman, I was booked into an Ironman 12 months later after he started training me. And two months out, I went for a 20K run. And I tore the tendon that joins my hamstring to my um, to my leg, oh, and I couldn't run. Geez. I was out. I'd already paid for it. Everything. Oh no! So, oh, it was a shocker. And but I went to that race because I'd already booked accommodation. I watched all my mates do it that were training with me, and I'm so glad that I went and had a look at that because, and I actually am so glad I was injured because I wasn't ready. There's no way I would have made it. Like. It's insane. It's a 3.8K swim, 180K bike ride. You get off the bike and then you go run a marathon, 42Ks, and you got to do it in 17 hours. And I'm seeing these guys out there all day. I'm going, like, there's no way I was ready. But it healed, but it inspired me because at the end of an Ironman, when you run through that chute, there's a spruker. And that spruker goes, as you cross the line, they go, Adam Guthrie, you are an Iron Man, right? <laughs> everyone that goes past <laughs> And I'm going, I'm just hearing this, watching everyone cross the finish. I'm going, oh, man, I want that. So that inspired me. And I said, that, I said to the doctor afterwards, I said, mate, let's go next year. Let's do it. And um, we leg healed. We trained. And, and I got to the race, that race day with him. He did it with me. And we dived into the water, had a good swim, got out in, um, I think it was an hour and 10 minutes. Good job. And then hopped on the bike, did a, did the bike in six and a half hours, 180 Ks, <sighs> got off the bike, and then I started to run. And within uh, about probably about 500 meters into the run, I get these massive stomach cramps, like super bad. And... Um, I'm curled up. I go to the bathroom, those portaloos. I'm in there for half an hour, like excruciating pain. And I thought to myself, I can't finish this. I just like I'm in so much pain and I'm cramped over and I can't hardly stand up. Anyway, I leave there and I'm looking for the medical people. And then I saw um, a mate on the sideline and he said, Adam, what's going on? I said, mate, I'm in so much pain. I can't finish this. I'm out. And he said, okay. We'll get you somebody and get it looked at. But he said, Adam, before I go and get someone, I want you to think about this. It's taken us two years to get you here, two years of training. You only have 42Ks to go. <laughs> so just sit down and chill. It's all going to be cool. You don't have to. 
And he said, I said, no, I don't care, Paul. Just go and get some room. And then, uh, like, I'm out. I can't finish it. Like, And I've done that in the past. Things get tough. I quit, you know, when it gets a bit hard sometimes. And and I was about to, I was about to do that. And then he said, I'll get you someone. And then he got his phone. He did these calculations. He said, Adam, I've done the numbers. You can walk the 42 days because you've done such good times on the others. You'll come in under 17 hours and you'll be an Iron Man. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. Sat down. And I sat there for about 20 minutes. He chatted to me, talked me through it, got my mind right, and then off I went. But that was one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned in my life, and I'm so grateful to him because what I realized is that you can't do things on your own because your mind will mess with you when it gets tough. And he he got my focus right. He was able to get my focus back, and with that focus, having someone to assist me, I was able to keep moving forward and I end up, you know, um, running and jogging and running and then I walk the last 8Ks and then you get to the shoot and there's spectators everywhere and I'm going, I can't walk down that. That's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so I put the little jog on and um, high-fiving everyone down the down the, um, down the the red shoot, across the finish line. Oh, did, and he, did, he, did you get that? Oh, Yes. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> was that the moment? Was that the moment you felt we did it? We did it. We have That's achieved the, it all. That was the moment. All done. And then, you know, and I've lived my life very simply ever since. A very simple life. I've, you know, let go of a lot of stuff. These days I just wear, I only have three pairs of shorts, two pairs of jeans, the same T-shirts, three or four of them, just change them. Like super simple life. Because what, I've, what I value now more than anything else is time. Because we can't get any any more of it, right? So the question is, how are you going to spend your time? That, 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 that's that, that, that's such an amazing thing because, like, I was reading recently, uh, Henry David Thoreau, you know, um, he wrote that, it, the American philosopher, back in 18-something, I think it was 1880, Yeah, he was a very, he was a real naturalist. And he was saying back in 1890, it was, he was saying that we're optimizing for the wrong thing. He said, we're optimizing, this is 1890, this isn't today. He said, we're optimizing for materials, we're optimizing for farms, we're optimizing for houses, but we should be optimizing our lives for time. Exactly what you were saying, like, and this is a century and a half later, like. Well, there's a truth in it then, isn't there, if it's always been around? And we need to question it. We, I think it's important to question the way um, society set up life, you know, where we're chasing more things because it's, you don't need much to live and when you've got time, it's so much less stress. It's so much happier. You can talk to people. You've got time. You're not rushing everywhere. It's just... You know, it's just beautiful to live a very simple life. And how did, you, how did you go to cultivate that from, say, back prior heart attack, you were, Dave's pointing at me about to t say something. How did you grow to cultivate that? Because prior heart attack, you were chasing the dream. You were going after financial freedom. You were pursuing it. You were a cog on the machine of industry. All hell, capitalism. And now you're <laughs> starting to move across, or you have moved from, you know, worshipping, or not worshipping, but very committed and focused on kind of productivity to suddenly, how can I be productive in the creation of space so that I can actually be present with what's happening around me? Um. How did I make that shift is, well, obviously the heart attack helps um, because you realise, you know, we don't have forever. Um, so I keep reminding myself of that. And But when I was younger, I think when you don't grow up with a lot, 
and you it's just natural. Everybody I know that's chased most people that I know, unless they've been super wealthy and already um, have wealth, they just keep maintaining that. But I think when a lot of people, if they don't grow up with wealth, they want to chase it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's great to improve the quality of your life financially. And um, But one of the things that keeps me in perspective, I think, is what's, what's, what is really the purpose of life, you know? and. Everyone's got a different answer to that. But I came across, even before the heart act, when I was 21, when I, after the, after, after that 21st birthday, the big bro, I came across, I came across an Eastern philosophy, which was a meditation, uh, a meditation. And, and I read a book about it and I met the teacher, uh, Indian guru, and he taught me a meditation technique. And, the purpose of that meditation was to come in contact with the energy that's sustaining you and everybody else and every living thing in the world, right? The, the life force. And it, teach, it was to teach you how to come in contact that by being still using an internal mantra. And I still practice that to this day, every single day. And then that made me realize through meditation for all these years that What is, if we're all going, if we're just, we're all moving through life, we get born and we die. It's just part of the whole journey. And if we're going to die, um, what happens after death and where do we end up? Do we just come back into another body with reincarnation or do we, um, or we're just going to ash and that's it and the energy just flows somewhere else? Or what is it? I, and I still don't know, right? But it makes me think that when we meditate, we start to realize that the more material things that we chase after, the harder it is to still the mind and come in contact with that source. So I find now that by living a simpler life, an easier life, um, I'm able to have deeper meditation, become still. And, and I think the purpose of life is to contact, to realise who you really are, which is not the body. It's not even the mind. A lot of us think that it's the mind, but we're not even the mind. It, what, because what, what creates the thought that you just had, right? Who, who put that thought into your mind? It's actually that light and sound, that energy that flows through all of us. And I think the purpose of life is to remember that and um, come in contact with that. And I found that um, the more we can be still, the more we're able to come in contact and with that, and then doesn't mean life goes easy, but we're able to handle life, I've found, better, where life will always have ups and downs. There's always going to be pressures and good times and bad times, right? But what happens is we become more steady no matter whether it goes up and down. That's been my experience. I don't know if that's everybody else's experience that's been meditating for a yeah, while. Yeah, more in a state of flow. I think through meditation it helps you be more present mm. and when we're more present there's less aversion less pushing against like when a stressful situation comes it's not like oh, i don't want that that's gonna it's like come on let's let's flow with it you're much more present yeah. and accepting of what is around you as opposed to what you want to be around you yeah exactly and you become detached to wanting other things in life right it's like you said well what made me make the shift why don't i chase that anymore it's because i i don't I find now that I don't need those things to be happy. Like happiness comes from that stillness within. Whenever we become present, 
I find that everything disappears when you're in the future. Two things happen. You get excited about stuff or you're worried about stuff, right? Or if you go into the past, the same thing happens. You're either upset and sad about past things that happened or you're really happy remembering good thoughts. But both those things, you're not still. There's not this bliss that happens when you become still. And when the more we become still, like you're saying, Dave, is that you um, – or Steve. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, the more we become still, the – the more we, there's less worry, there's less stress, and there's less, there's more happiness. And therefore, we don't long for other things externally to make us happy because we can just be happy, like feeling our feet right now, you know, just um, becoming aware of that, or just looking at a beautiful flower, or just closing our eyes and, you know, hearing the sound inside, you know, it's just, yeah. So I have no desire for the physical. My journey now is. Like I want to become deeper and deeper into, um, you know, practice of of that internal energy. And yeah. you've been practicing this for many years. I mean, you, like kind of a few hours of meditation a day. I remember hearing something that you were saying yeah. two and a half hours, which is a long time. And that's you've been doing that for. Did you manage to do that right through all the all the parenting phase and? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't the best parent. I wasn't the best dad. I was always working, right? And that's one of the things I regretted was that I spent the time chasing money as opposed to being home. I'd be working all the time. And, you know, you know we've got great relationships with my kids, and um, but I do regret not spending more time. But my wife, she was amazing. Like, she was, she's a mama. Like, she just nurtured them, look after them. They turned into amazing kids. And, you know, um, yeah, I unfortunately that was one of the things that I do regret, but I get to make up with it now because I've got grandkids. <laughs> so yeah, with my yeah. grandsons now, I take them surf and I'm present with them. I always make sure I have time and give them the attention, not just brush them off, you know, doing it and doing that. And Dave, st- seeing you the other day with Th- Fia. Yeah, yeah, little Fia, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like yeah. seeing you with her in your, you know, inside your in jacket. In my bosom. You just, well, three in weeks your bosom. Old. It was yeah. so beautiful, man. It was like, you know, you're so present with her and like I'm super excited for you. It's, it's a beautiful time and, and you get to do it again too, really, yeah. because you've got older kids, haven't you? So Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got 13-year-old, a 10-year-old and now we've got a, a four-week-old yeah. and it's just like uh, a bit, bit like that, like, you know, the first two, I had, they're my absolute heart and soul and I've done my very best with them and now having another go again, having uh, Fia, it's just I'm 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 marvel at it. I'm so present with it. I'm so much more present with it. Whereas the first time around, there's a lot more fear. There was a lot more fear and kind of go, oh my god, and you know, oh, I hope this gets easier. I hope this gets easier. Whereas now I'm just like, oh my god, this is wonderful. Like I was sitting in the rocking chair last night, probably from half three till half five. You know, she's puking on you and you know, giving out and doing this, and you're just rocking away, going, this is beautiful. Be like it, like yeah. and it was like, and obviously there is stress, um, hardship in stress. it, but there's there's an absolute beauty when you can just surrender to it. And maybe I reached a point at half three this morning that I I had surrendered. The fight was gone in me, and it was just nothing but surrender. And kind of going, wow, this is look at you. You're really pretty. You're so amazing looking in their little eyes, like these little little you know newborn life it's just but, such a miracle I know and they smell so good babies right when they look at you when they look at you it's like looking at a wild animal you know when you're out in nature and you see like a deer or something goes past and you see and you feel like you're looking at the soul of the world 
where you feel like yeah. life itself is looking back at you. And it's the same way when you look at a newborn baby, it's this absolute purity and innocence that it's like, it melts you, like it really touches you. It's such a deep place because it's, I, I think it's rare that you find people that are so present that it's this boom, like it just really yeah. s- it stops you, immediately brings you boom, straight here. Yeah, totally. You have to, you have to surrender because like demand your attention, right? Like they really do. I have noticed yeah. that. I definitely so Steve, have. Like, you, like Steve, you're saying, um, how do I get through that with the meditation? I committed to the meditation, even though I was chasing the money and stuff. Every morning I'd wake up at 3, 3.30. I'd sit for a couple 3 of hours. 3 a.m.? Yeah. What time and are you going go to bed at then? Uh, I'd go to bed around 9-ish um, and I'd get up. And But when you meditate for, for a long time, it's deep, it's it's as deep as sleep, you know, if you're still. But I tell you, when I first started meditating, uh, like I can just sit still for a second. But, you know, it was <laughs> like, and the mind just keeps going and the mind still goes. And then you realize that that's part of meditation. But everyone wants it to still <laughs> straight away. But it, it's not it's not the nature, right? And so I would do that and I'd practice and I'd practice and I have to get up and fidget and then sit down again. And But over time, you know, you build up and you can sit solidly for longer periods of time. And over that 30 years, there's only been, there's been patches where I've missed it, I've dropped it, dropped that ball. And, you know, you go for a month or a couple of weeks, um, but there hasn't been many of those. I've always come back to it every day. And this happened before the heart attack and this happened after the heart attack. Meditation is not going to stop any of that stuff. That's not. I don't believe that's the purpose of meditation. It's just reminding you who you really are and coming in contact with your higher self. Which is remarkable, though, that you could keep motivated and keep sustain that solo during such times of fluctuation, such as a heart attack, such as being obese, yeah. such as training for an iron man. You could still yeah. get pursuing materialism for a portion of that. But to meditate kind of two hours a day, that's some commitment because most people like in, myself included struggle to find 10 minutes a day. There've been times when I've meditated in two hours a day for a couple of years. But in recent life, in recent times, you know, I have the excuse of a busy life. And I, I tend to use yeah. that excuse far too frequently. Yeah, well, I think what happened really in that first year that I started meditating, I had an experience, right? And some people have these experiences when they meditate. And I don't know if you guys have because you guys are meditators, but I had this experience and it made me realize it's more than the physical body, right? And then I, and once I got a taste of that, then I was hooked. I thought this this is like I remember sitting on the bed meditating and, and this experience happened to me and then I finished meditating, went to sleep, and I woke up in the morning and it felt like I'd just been reborn, <laughs> like literally refreshed into this new body. It was insane. And and I just remember this bl- such bliss that I've never experienced in my life. And having that little taste was enough to keep me committed to it forever. Like you know, not it's like you know, promised not that it's ever happened again. Not that it's ever happened again, but it's enough that you know that there's more to this physical plane than we can perceive. You know? Wow, amazing. You got you got a that. momentary entry into the promised land, into the kingdom of the internal kingdom of heaven. <laughs> And, uh, and it was like, that. I don't know, or whatever it was. You know, <laughs> how about was, your wife? Like, how supportive? Did she not think, Adam, you weirdo? What are you at that thing again? Even though was it was she supportive because she'd see the results that you were suddenly calmer, more present, a more grateful partner and father. Yeah, she. It's, it's spot on. Rue would 
Rue would, if I didn't get up in the morning, she would literally push me out of bed to wow. go meditate. And she knew that I was a different person if I didn't meditate. Wow. Twitchy. Like, like, sorry? Twitchy. Twi- you know, I Twitchy. I, Twitchy. I get angry. I get, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was just, um, you know, just a grumpy, stressed, you know, all, that, all those emotions. But when I meditate, I was happier and I was calmer and um, everything was sweeter. And so she would literally, she'd encourage it. She said, go, go do it. And I said, why don't you join me and meditate? No, I don't need any meditation. I do art. That's one of her paintings there. She said, I'm a painter. That's my art. That's my meditation. And it is. It's like meditation, painting. <laughs> yeah, there's a deep presence in it. Wow. Very yeah. cool. Amazing. Yeah. Great practice. Great practice. I'd, I'd love to chat about it because I really, I really admire that. Like, So you had your heart attack. You had your regrets of kind of going, I wasn't a very present father. And then you kind of, the reason you went to Bali was to take your kids to sign them up to Green School, which is one of the most environmental friendly schools uh, with a very different curriculum and a very different process. So you immediately go, right, I haven't been that present with my kids. I want to give you this experience, which is fundamentally different. Could you talk about that? Because it's it's a really unique, uh, it's a beautiful, brave, exciting adventure, I imagine. Yeah, the Green School is amazing. Like if you ever get the chance to go to Bali, they do tours around the school. It's made out of bamboo. It's uh, all open-air classrooms, and they learn by doing, okay? And it's an entrepreneurial school. Um, There's a really good TED Talk by the founder, John Hardy. If you go and look him up, John Hardy, and watch watch that documentary, his TED Talk, it's pretty inspiring to explain what it's about. But we ended up going there. <laughs> you know, the first year I was meant to do the INN, I took my eldest daughter, Rose, with me to, for that trip for a daddy-daughter week, you know, away. And the whole time she's in year 10 at high school and she goes, Dad, I'm leaving school. I hate school. I'm not going. You know what teenage girls are like. And she's like, I'm out of here. I'm going, well, we're not leaving school. I just want to go and live in Bali because we used to go to Bali for holidays. I'm going, we're not going to Bali and you're not leaving school. Anyway, we come home. And we walk in the door and Rue, my wife, sitting on the table on the laptop and she turns to Rose and said, hey, Rose, I just found this amazing school and I want you to go to it. She goes, I'm not going to any schools. I've just told Dad all week that I'm leaving school. I'm quitting. And Rue looked at me and then, and I hadn't said anything to Rue about Rose carrying on all week. And then she turns to us and she says, it's in Bali. And I just got this And Rose goes, oh, I could be interested in that. <laughs> but when I get that, you know, have you had the, those moments where you get goosebumps? Like, right like now. it's telling you something? Right now. There's yeah. loads of them going on. Right now. Yeah. And I get this. And I, every time I get those, I pay attention. And I went, okay, there's something here. So I went, okay. And then. We had a chat about it and I said, well, let's go. Let's go over to Bali. Let's check it out. Let's go on a holiday for a couple of weeks. So, you know, I a week or two later. I love your curiosity and your bravery just go, let, let, let's scratch this itch. Let's, let's see what's in this. Yeah, I've always, I've always been a bit like that. I've never, I, and then you know, I have fear, but I'm, I can just go across it. But we get to Bali. We check it out. We love it. Everyone's there. And we spent three years, both girls went. And so you did. You it just was went, you went on the holiday and you just decided, fuck it. We're moving to Bali. That's it, Rue. Yeah, we did. We went on the holiday. We went to school. We checked it out. We did the interviews. We sussed it all out. And then while we were there, we saying, well, how do we live here? How do we make this work? And um, we did. And How did you work out the uh, economic And we decided, bit? let's do it. 
How did you work out the economic bit that you could live in Bali and attend this well, school and keep kind well, of the wool from the door? Yeah. Well, you know, when I sold my business, that gave us a bit of cash. And then also I had started teaching people how to eat whole food plant-based. And after what I actually did, I started these little meal plans to help me do it originally, right, to stay on track and stuff. And then I came across a little app that you could put magazines in and we created this app called I Feel Good app. And it was back in 2000 and um, to, uh, 2010 or 11, it was like a year after the heart attack. And we just popped it up onto Apple and we had half a million downloads. Wow. It was insane right in those early days. It was incredible. But the whole thing crashed later on. The company that we were doing it through sold it and they messed it up and it died. But it was making enough money for us to live in Bali Amazing. and it required a couple of days' work. We'd make the food, we'd photograph it, we'd shoot it, and then we'd make the little magazine and push it, publish it up, and we had um, one of the one of the other parents that were at Green School. She was a photographer and, you know, we worked with her every Monday cooking food and it was great. It was great fun. So <laughs> we, cool. we thought we'd, we we do this. We could do it, sell the business, go to Bali, <laughs> and that's exactly what we did. So we ended up there and it was a beautiful time and it was a magic moment when, see, Rose has this amazing voice, right, amazing voice. This is your daughter. we discovered it. Your yeah. teenage daughter that was given out that didn't want to go yeah. to high school. amazing. But at high school she shut down, wouldn't sing anymore. And then when we went to green school, her confidence built again just through the way they teach. And then she's on assembly a year or two later and I'm there and she's like this lead singer belting out these beautiful tunes and I've just got tears coming down my eyes saying this is the best thing we've ever done just to see her do that again. And now she sings all around the house again. It's like amazing. It's so beautiful wow. to see. And so it was a great experience. And out of that, um, teenage girls in Bali, you know, Bali's a fun place, a really fun place. And it's probably not the best place to have teenage girls, okay, <laughs> because they sneak, like you can get anything in Bali, anything you want, and it's very dangerous. People are drunk. People are on motorbikes. Kids are out in the streets. Kids sneak out of your house at night. All these things happened, right? And um, anyway, we ended up with this beautiful gift, and his name's Felix. Our half Balinese grandson. Wow! <laughs> this is Rose. This is Rose. When your, when your teenage daughters got pregnant, she looked at it at night and met a Balinese pregnant, fella. You got it. <laughs> okay, because I was yeah. thinking so it's Felix the cat. Kiss. Yeah, but what's really interesting, you know, and this is well, why so you I got a share. connection to Bali. How amazing! And a grandson. Yeah, man, we got a half Balinese grandson named Felix. But what's what's this is really really interesting because you know I had the heart thing, uh, you know I had the heart attack. Well, Felix when he was born, had to have open heart surgery. Oh, my God. And he had a hole in the heart and they picked it up in an ultrasound just about two months before he was born. And because of that, we came back into Australia and luckily we did because he, um, he would have died in Bali. But they did that, he recovered, and he's living this amazing life. He's a great kid. He helps me in the kitchen. You know, when I do cooking classes and stuff, he jumps in and stirs the pot and has a great time. He loves cooking, loves food. Jeez, wow. that's amazing. So you really loved yeah, Bali, loved the green school. And, and was... what, what, what were your kids' experience of this? Because, like, I'm really, like, education is fascinating. Like, 
lifelong education yeah. is what I believe and I really do that cultivating that within ourselves and often school can be school is wonderful in very many ways and often it can it, it's not for everyone it doesn't necessarily encourage the creativity or the self-direction you know you can it can be very formulaic how was it because like the green school is a very different philosophy where it is about almost encouraging people learning to just, by doing as you said uh, but also learning about yeah, yourself and what you are interested and in and customises curriculum for the students yeah, that's what happened. That's the beauty about it. They look at each individual kid and how what their interests are, and then they can tailor the curriculum to um, the things that they're passionate about, and then they end up learning by doing. So they say, you know, let's go, let's, we've got to do English, math, and science, right? But let's not sit in the classroom. Let's go outside and build a bamboo hut. And we'll teach you English, math, and science. Or one of the things they have to do, they have to create a, um, um, a like a business type thing. They have to do some sort of project, and then that's their passion, and and they build a curriculum into that project. So they're actually learning learning what they meant to learn sitting in school in a row in a normal school, but they're doing it through their hands on experience, and they're tying it in. Uh, and what that does, they shine, but you can fall through the cracks. Okay, so um, you know, in a, in, a, in an environment like that, because you can't just goof off and do nothing, right? Um, but our, our our kids didn't fall through the cracks, and they it turned them into amazing. And what this is the confidence and the resilience that they ended up getting was like Rose. She's got Felix, who's now like. I think he was two or three and she's maybe 19 or something and she says, I'm going travelling. So she just packs up and takes Felix, jumps on a plane and spends six, eight months just travelling around Europe with this little kid and like all by herself. And, wow. you know, she met, she met a lot of people. Green School is an international school, so they met a lot of friends there all around the world. So she was able to pop in and stay with people around the, around the track. But um, it's been the best experience. And, you know, um, our youngest daughter, Lily, she's thriving. You know, she's living down in Sydney, Sydney and Melbourne in between those. She's in fashion. She's, you know, doing what whatever she's passionate about. And that's a great thing. It's taught them to... Don't settle for the status quo. You know, find what you love and just just practice that and you become good at it, like, you know, and just keep moving in that direction. How, 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 do, how do we cultivate more of that in ourselves? Because everyone listening goes, I want a bit of that. I didn't go to green school. I didn't sell my business. I can't afford to do that. How do I cultivate that? Not even to mind for my kids. Passion for myself. I want more than the status quo. Like what would be your observations now having a second go at it and um, living in a multi-generational home and watching this for your kids? Like what would your prescription be to someone who's kind of going, well, I want to, like I want, I don't want the status quo. I know there's more. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you've got to, you've got to decide. But before that, you need to find out why you want to do it. Really like question it. Why do you want that? Come up with some really big reasons, emotional reasons why you will want to do it. Link it to, um, you know, the dissatisfaction, how it keeps people on a treadmill. It's making people sick and depressed and separation from family. Like whatever you can link to it that um, staying in the old way, link a lot of painful emotion to that will help drive it. And then think about 
where what life could be like if it was simpler um, and then look at how you could and get inspired by that vision of what you would ideally like in the book look like and then and then go well what is my situation now and do I actually need to change it or do I and if or do I just need to accept where I am and realize that the longing for something could be the thing that's causing a bit of pain that you could just drop back into here right now and then just look at okay well if I did want to change do I have to keep chasing this career Maybe I do financially because I've got all this financial commitment. Or could I sell my house and, you know, live a simple life like I did, right? And, like, I, I, I did. I literally sold everything um, to live a simpler life, to make that happen. Not everyone's going to be prepared to do that, but I was happy to do it and I'm glad I did. It's, you know, it's a different life and, and it's worth it. So, or you look at it and go, what can I let go of? At the end of the day, you have to be willing to let go, let go of preconceived thoughts and ideas of how things should be, preconceived thoughts of how people think you should be. That's the biggest one. Mm. Like, it's just, you know, we're so affected by that. And I think that's the key. If you really want to change it, you have to let go of what other people think of you because it is a big shift. People like, you know, my family, you know, thought I was crazy. Even when I became vegetarian years ago, I thought I was weird, you know. Um, but it's you got to let go of that. And some people can do that and some people can't, and that's okay, you know. It doesn't matter. Like, And I think happiness comes, you don't even need to change anything except becoming more present. The more present we become, you can still build a, a chase a big business or a big career. You can change, chase your passion. You can just go to work and do the nine-to-five thing. And if we shift our attention and our attitude to like, being here, that this is what I do, this is my purpose, this is um, this is, has a purpose of serving somebody, I think um, happiness will come there. It doesn't true. have to change. And what would be your, like, is your purpose now to be more present and to educate people to embrace more plant-based? Yeah. Um, isn't it, you know, someone said to me once, they said, Adam, you know, it's beautiful when your desire, your intention um aligns with your dharma, like your purpose, your true purpose in life, right? And therefore, you like it just aligns and all of a sudden it feels amazing. And um, it like that's how I feel now. I feel like being able to share this information, pass it on to somebody else, um, like somebody passed it on to me, like I didn't invent it, I just learned how to do it and then that helped me and then I'm just passing it forward by teaching others how to do it and is no and and what I love about it is that what I really love it causes no harm. Like part of my meditation philosophy is cause no harm. That's why it's vegetarian, no alcohol, no drugs, none of that stuff, um, because those things can cause harm. And what I love about this work that I do now, it causes no harm. You just giving people good food that improves their health doesn't harm the health; it actually improves it. It doesn't harm. Any living, any other living being, or any other living thing, and it has the least amount of environmental impact on the planet. It doesn't hurt the planet. You know, it's just a beautiful way to live. There's no better way to live. And if anyone can embrace that, I encourage it because um, 
it's just like it's incredible. It's just love. It's just love. And I love being able to share that. That's my purpose to share that. And you've built a whole teaching program and app to help but I feel good, isn't it? It's I feel good dot AU. I feel good dot com dot AU. Oh dot com dot AU. And that's all about Yeah, we, I've been doing that for five years. You know, like it's been beautiful. We've got a, a process that came about by people asking me saying, Adam, you know, you're looking so well. How did you do it? And I just created, you know, took it from that app that we had, which we don't have anymore, to an online course that taught some people and it just spread and we've been doing it five years, this course. It was, it's more a program. And and it's been amazing. People have literally gone, doctors are halving people's meds, taking people off meds. People had type 2 diabetes within 16 to 20 weeks. Their doctor says you don't have it anymore. Um, people have gone from obesity to a healthy body weight. People couldn't walk to the letterbox. Now go on walking trek holidays where they go down to Antarctica and walk on the ice with these little penguins. Like it's the most rewarding work when you see people applying this way of eating and living like you guys do with your programs, right, your courses, you'd see it as well. It's like it's the most rewarding thing to see people light up that, were sick and unwell, but now have a second chance. Now, and they're taking that second chance and living their life in a beautiful way that makes them feel fulfilled and happy and got this new lease on life. And the majority of people that um, that end up working with me in our program are people who, you know, from 45 through to 70 years old. It's usually people that retire that have worked their entire life supporting their families or supporting their kids and never had time for themselves and they end up, you know, sick on medications, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, and they can't retire happily. All that vision they had, they can't do it because they're too sick. And now they're able to get a new lease on life and go and do what they wanted to do when they retired. It's beautiful. That's amazing. I feel good.com today. You And is it a two-week program, six-month program, or is it customized to how people It's are? a year. It's a, a year. year. Yeah, so people enroll in it and it goes for a year. And um, and the reason why I used to have it as a four-week program, but I changed it to a year because what I found, people would treat a four-week plan like a diet, right? They do it and then and then I looked into human behavior and part of the learning curve, and you guys are probably aware of this as well, like whenever we do something, we get enthusiastic, we can do it, but then we drop the ball, right? And what most people do when they drop the ball, they go, I can't do this, I quit, they, this sucks, and they walk away and find another shiny object, right, to try and do it. But what happens is that dropping the ball is actually part of the process. It's like anything when we learn anything new, we're not that good at it and we make a mistake. And so I realized that I thought, okay, people need support to pick that ball back up so they can keep moving forward, right? So I said, no, we need to make it a year because that helps people drop the ball, go and you know, wander off for a bit and then come back in and pick it up again. And and that's when we've seen more sustainable change where people made lifestyle change over a year because it's part of the process. And I want people to realise that if you drop the ball, you go and, you, you know, you, you go and binge on something that you feel you shouldn't eat, well, don't worry about it. All you have to do is pick up the ball, which is making another whole food plant-based meal, your next meal, and you're back on track, you know. And you'll feel better and your self-esteem will pick up and then you'll make another one and you'll go for a bit longer. The gap will get longer before you drop it. And then what will happen is um, you'll drop it, you'll pick it back up and the gap will get longer. And then all of a sudden you'll go for a long, long time without dropping the ball and you'll feel amazing. 
and you won't want to go back because you're nourished and you feel so good. Brilliant. Just like you guys do. It's brilliant. We, we found the same. We always ran our courses over four weeks and we still do. We've changed it into a membership because we realised people need a long-term relationship. Like you need consistent reminders and consistent support on an ongoing basis. So we've moved ours into like a membership, like a, a tribe where it's ongoing. It's not just four weeks. It's, you know, lots yeah. of different four weeks, lots of four weeks added together that can become, you know, years. Yeah, think. exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's the app you've got. Yeah. 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 yeah the app. Yeah. Yeah, we've got all our courses, which, which people do, but it's, uh, it's turned into where it's a membership where it's like, no, here, we yeah. want to have long-term relationships and hold your hand and support you over a longer period of time. So it just becomes your yeah. norm. Awesome guys. That's what I love about you guys. You know, I've, came across you, you know, quite a few years back and super inspiring how you've been able to, you know, share share good food with people that actually heal them and make them feel good. And you get your energy is amazing. Like it's just um, it's good value to hang out with you. And it's really nice to finally meet you guys. Yeah. When are you going to come to Ireland? Have you come over here to look to, to meet your mother's family at all? Yeah, I did. I did that um, when I was backpacking, when I met my wife in England. My wife's English. But yeah, what's, what's was, her name? What, what's Rue? What's the full name of Rue? Rue. Her name's Ruth. Ruth. Uh, but, okay. So but she, she came to Australia and she called it, uh, she's an artist, right? So she went Rue, kangaroo, R-double-O. So she just started writing her name as Rue, R-double-O. She signs all her work. Rue, R-double-O. That's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm coming to Australia. I'm going to be Rue. Not with uh, you or uh, Ruth. It's going to be a kangaroo. Wow, I like that. She said, <laughs> That's cool. cool. That's cool. It's well, been a long time since I've been back in Ireland, you know. But I, I, we'll come back. I, I want to come and you know, hang yeah. out with you guys for a bit. That'd be yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I'd, love to, I'd, love to, I'd love to go to the Gold Coast too. Sam talks about it and I have this lovely Byron vision in my head. And hearing you talk about like the surf and like going down and swimming and all it sounds like yeah it sounds good it sounds like a nice yeah, it sounds like man, you, it sounds worth making time for yeah there you are <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, you're welcome you know come over we'll look after you we've got a great community here at Byron you know we'll take you surfing and mate you'll have warm water to jump into in the mornings how warm does the how warm does it get in the summertime for you guys in the water so in you do it gets like now the it's hottest peak. it was around, it's around 16 this year we've had 16 and that was like hot but I wouldn't yeah, necessarily go hot. It's, no, I shouldn't say hot. It still it still feels cold, but it's relative to winter cold. It's it's warm. You know. I think and what's the right. coldest like that you've been in? You get kind of four, four, four degrees. Four, four like, five. They degrees. call it ice swimming because because yeah. the moving body of water can't actually freeze over. At least in Ireland, anyway. And that's cold. Yeah, that's wow. rare though. That's only when it. You feel like you're getting into a million shards of glass. You know, where it's so cold, you're not sure if it's boiling hot or boiling cold. You know that way where it's just like. I'm not sure if I'm yeah. boiling hot or boiling cold, but it's extreme. But yeah, <laughs> extreme sensations. Yeah, it definitely brings great, great brings you uh, aliveness. Makes you feel like you're alive, oh, right? You're just... Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, this has been super lovely to hear. You're from you. amazing. Like, you really are. You're a joy such a to beautiful talk to, ray to of light. To, and I really admire the person you are. Really, really do. It's inspiring. Yeah, yeah, really inspiring. It's yeah. Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Brilliant. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for being amazing. You're a star. Cheers. Mind yourself. Cheers. Loads of love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, see ya. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. 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 bye.